started in search and it, it was what preempted the some of the positions that I, um, I I've been taking on as a teacher so I've been teaching the online class at Cal State Fullerton and I just got brought in for UC San Diego and when I do guest speak before I actually got the the gigs um, I get a lot of questions like well um, what's a career in SEO like and and the answers it's <laughs> you know always complex well you you start with being this technical person who understands how websites are built and web servers work and um, you know understanding a little bit of programming and HTML and CSS and JavaScript yeah. uh, but then you also have to be a little bit on the psychology side and understand human behavior for writing content you know depending on where the visitor happens to be in their journey and you know you also have to be a little extroverted to be outgoing enough to pick up the phone to build a relationship that results in these other websites linking to your website which you know you know it's like the core of Google's algo right yeah. so you've got to be all these personalities you've got to be the the introverted technical person who's also a little bit analytical you've got to be the psychology person that understands human behavior and then you have to be outgoing enough and comfortable enough to do a little bit of cold calling to you know to really nurture relationships that help with your overall marketing not just seo so it's it's complex and i usually lose about 90 percent of the, the student audience well i don't want to do that now i'd rather just i'd rather just do social media because that makes more money I'm like all right those, those digital marketing students think social media seems to be like the uh you know the, the best dream job on the planet yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, because they think they can get paid for doing something that they've done since they were age five. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, so, we've, yeah, you're right. We've yeah, got a great opportunity today to talk about um, something we have not talked about a lot on the yeah. show, which is multi-locations. And I think we want to start maybe by talking about the franchise e-side. We've got folks listening to the show, probably franchisors and franchisees, mm -hmm. people that have multiple locations. So... What challenges, when it comes to search, do franchisees face that are kind of unique to them as businesses? Yeah, the franchisee has the challenge of feeling like they're um, feeling like their hands are tied with a lot of the marketing that corporate will manage. I think that's one of the big challenges, and the the educational component has uh, probably been the the biggest challenge that I've seen as I step into a new account. So one of the one of the first tasks that we um, that we recommend and then we just kind of give it to our clients is a, a one-page cheat sheet and at the top of that cheat sheet there's a, a row of what corporate does on the tech side on the content side and on the local side of things so it basically says you know if the Joe Schmo SEO person walks into an individual location and says um, I can help you get more foot traffic they can pull out this sheet of paper and they can say, well, what are you going to do for me? Well, I'm going to claim and manage your Google My Business and your Yahoo Local and your MapQuest and your Yelp. Oh, it looks like corporate manages all that stuff for us. Oh, well, then I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Yeah, corporate has that too, right? So it gives them a, a guide to know what corporate has a good handle on and um, you know, and, and what things that they can do to help. The other, the other row that we put in there is what not to do. Like don't buy reviews. Don't solicit reviews from Yelp. Don't... Um, buy social media followers, right, or participate in any kind of link schemes. Please don't build rogue microsites. It's so tempting sometimes because you feel like your hands are tied with your digital, you know, that the franchisee just wants to create their own um, little website that now competes with uh, the corporate landing page we create. Um, and then the last part of, of that cheat sheet would be what you can do. You can, you can look at the directions for accuracy from every direction that you go to the restaurant. 
um, you can read and respond to reviews that are coming in using a you know a guideline that that uh, either the consultancy or the you know corporate brand will will provide. You can uh, you know make sure that you're you're involved in the community and and sponsoring local soccer teams and in your chamber of commerce and finding some of your local business directories to you know to get that name address phone number listed in there. You can do local events and then go around to your neighboring businesses and get them to promote the event on their own website, which gets you that that business citation and maybe even a link back to your landing page. Um, you know, and of course you can you can do incentive programs to to try to boost and improve the the velocity and the quality of reviews that are coming in. So I think that one page cheat sheet is uh, is sort of the the cornerstone of a really successful communication between the franchisee and corporate and probably the most important thing that that two teams can do is just kind of work through that together figure out who's doing what um and and all be in the know of what's going on because that's that's probably one of the biggest challenges is what is corporate doing what is the franchisee doing anything there's no communication there most of the time especially when you get into the the thousands of locations you know so um it can be really complicated and uh, I think that one page sort of cheat sheet creates some transparency between corporate and franchisee. Let's cover something I hear quite a bit. And uh, yeah. there's uh, it's something that, uh, you know, a, it's a really big misconception. And I see franchises do two things. They'll either duplicate their original site for each location yeah. or they'll, um, what is it? They'll copy the content from their other location pages to be the same as that other, you know, location A as location B. So uh, let's clarify for the listeners how it properly should be laid out. That's a great question. So with landing pages, and that's what we're talking about, right, is the local landing page for each location? Correct. Yes. Um, there's, There's this new thing that you'll see in the new Google Search Console that'll say, we chose a different page than the canonical tag had on this page because we found the content too similar. Um, and that's happening more often than not. It It's definitely improved a bit from when they when they first kind of rolled it out. Uh, but but that's probably the largest challenge is that the content is so similar. Yeah. And, and doing separate content for, I don't know, under 50 locations isn't that challenging. No. But when you get into like 1,700 locations, there's it's almost impossible to make each page uh, unique. So so there are things that you can do, and this is one of the reasons Yelp appears in so many queries, is that they they put as many unique attributes on that page as they possibly can, like like Wi-Fi and um, amenities and things that, that do differ between locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also, uh, if, if you're at the corporate level, you can put a survey together and collect answers into a, a database and then upload those answers uh, you know, directly to the local landing pages through your database. That way you can get the, you know, the proximity of the nearest landmark. Uh, you can get um, you know, information about the history of, of the area. You can get things that, uh, that are helpful, nearest hospital, nearest college. Um, all of those kind of attributes are, are easy to, to find and, and unique. The challenge is getting the, the franchisee or the, the uh, location manager to take the 30 minutes to actually put that together because they don't really realize or understand the impact of you know what it could do to their you know their map and their organic rankings. So um, we did a study of approximately a hundred different 
local landing pages for the food and dining industry. We looked at the city pages that contain a list of all the locations that are in a city, um, and we looked at the actual location page. Some call it a property level page, other call it uh, you know, the individual landing page, whatever you decide to call it. Um, this is the, the page specific to that one location. Mm-hmm. And, and I, know, I know it's hard to scale these, but it, if you're able to do that databasing piece of it, it seems to, it seems to have the best impact. The other things that you could do are, are uh, that we've seen that uh, of successfully uh, ranking pages is we saw those that applied a virtual tour so that users, when they get to that page, can actually look at that virtual tour and um, pan around and see the restaurant or the, uh, you know, the location itself. Yeah. Uh, that is a unique attribute. Uh, and if you do the Google 360, it also sort of authenticates your business because the Google certified photographer has access to uh, the actual Google Street View. You know, whereas somebody else who just takes their own phone, like my Pixel, has a, a 360 on it. Yeah. Um, you can upload it, but you don't always get that street view. That street view is really something um, made for the the Google folks. So, so having that that rich media on the page can make a lot of of difference uh, to users. The other things like that I see that are successful are, of course, having the are you open now, um, automatically detecting the the user's location and giving them an option to provide the browser with their location so that. They can automatically be taken to the correct page or recommended the correct location page, saving steps and clicks and so forth on the website. Um, Coupons. Coupons and offers are great. And if you can barcode them or if you can uh, QR code them in a way that allows you to track your online to offline, then you're way ahead of the curve. Uh, But coupons are things that people look for. It's something you can put in the meta description to stand out for non-branded queries. So the meta description could say, download coupons and... Um, you know, get current hours for this location um, and that sort of thing. So it, it's a great way to, to kick up your CTR and get more of that search traffic yeah. uh, as well as, you know, help with tracking. For some reason, Google Maps embeds um, tend to perform better than other services. And I don't know if it's just mm-hmm. related to load time or if Google is truly bi- uh, biasing pages with its own map. But having a Google Map and a link to Google Map to directions – yeah. seems yeah. to make a difference. Yeah. You know what we're not seeing a lot of anymore, and, and those pages that did have them didn't seem to perform any better, were those those old KML files, mm-hmm. uh, some of the geo meta tags and things like that that kind of sit behind the scenes don't really matter as much anymore. And when we test A-B test them side by side, really it's, it's the pages that have the best user experience yeah. that seem to always outperform those that on the back end are coded up. Um, you know, of course, the you know the uh, local business markup or the the sub item type of that markup could be helpful if you're an attorney and you use legal service. Uh, if you're an attorney and you're still using attorney and you should be using legal service, definitely make sure your markup's up to date and utilize all the available fields. One one really interesting thing that we tested was we took a uh, we took a location that that didn't have a lot of information on the Google My Business profile. Yeah. Um, and we took all the information that we had on the landing page and made sure that was all available within the service cards and all the fields that were available in GMB. Mm-hmm. And we saw improvements in map rankings. And we did the same thing with uh, a really built-out GMB profile where the, the client's local landing page had a fraction of the information. Yeah. We just used all that same information, the services, the hours. The, the attributes, uh, all it, yeah, down to that and far. Yeah, we, we put that on the landing page, and 
and sure enough, our organic rankings below the map went up. It was um, it was a really easy task, but it's it's almost like you're saying, hey, search engine, here's here's what I'm about, and here's a link to a page about my my business. Then they go to that page and like I don't see any of that information because all you have on there is directions and a little map and maybe a coupon, right. you know, where you could be really giving the user more information. Oh, the other thing that's been working really well, um, and you could probably see an example of it right now if you were to do a search for, say, I don't know, IHOP Boston or um, just IHOP in any any area. You can see uh, we have our event markup so that we can actually have an extra line in the search results yeah. uh, for whatever event happens, happens to be going on now or in the near future. Gives you a little bit more real estate in search results, makes you stand out a bit more, and it can help your CTR, particularly after the latest update when they started stripping out uh, a Reviews, lot of stars uh, from certain results. We yeah. got so, a uh, lift from yeah. um, on our location pages. We took photographs from local organizations, chambers of commerce, um, area business development, and we asked for permission to use photographs that were on their website, and we put a courtesy link back to them on that photo. And nice. we saw a lift with that technique. Nice. Yeah, and you know, I, I talked to one of the, the Google reps last year about what we can and can't use from uh, user-submitted content on Google Maps. They said you could use all of it. You could yeah. use the pictures, the, the video. You can use all of that on the landing page, and they, they encourage it. You know, where Yelp hmm. and, and other directories are like, this is our copyrighted content. You can't use it. You know, it's like, well, it's all about my company and my business, and you know, and yeah. so Google's the opposite. They want you to use that content, and they've they've created widgets to allow you to to pull that information in, so right, that yeah. users can see that. Yeah, Steve, so, I haven't heard someone mention a KML file in a very long. Time. You remember? <laughs> I used to do it because uh, would link it to Google Earth. We would do yeah. everything, and then we'd mark we'd try up. every little thing we could. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We I do the 3D mapping and all that good stuff. It was crazy. Yeah, throw it up <laughs> against the wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> now, Steve, let's flip the script because yeah. you, all three of us, have felt the frustrations of franchisees, and you did a yeah. great job of explaining what they can do. Now, the franchisor is in a tough spot because he's trying to protect or she territorial rights that in sometimes have these weird geographical lines. So he doesn't want franchisee A to rank for this geo-specific phrase. He wants franchisees B to rank for that specific phrase. What does a franchisor do to align the protections that he's offered in his franchise agreement with local search strategy? Yeah, they're pretty gated. Yeah, it can get really competitive. Um, we worked with a group that specializes in custom closets, and there was a lot of that territorial... Uh, behavior and to the point where even on the the landing pages themselves we couldn't put nearby um, locations or other locations nearby because there was such a territorial um, attitude and so um, that's a that's a really tough challenge I think I think communication is going to be first you know when you when you sit down with other uh, locations and you you might have to you know have someone at corporate be a mediator and then you all kind of figure out a plan together maybe even throwing a uh, a consultant into the picture and who specializes in multi-location and and define what the strategy is going to be both on the the technology side so that if someone is in a certain area and and we are able to um, to guide them to a, a different page uh, automatically through technology fantastic if um, if we can 
you know, based on where their IP address is. If we can guide them through messaging on the, the site and say, basically, welcome to our site, put in your zip code and we'll find you the most appropriate location. That way, even if they do land on the competitor, you're not really a competitor, but you're uh, your neighboring franchise or uh, page that there will be a message that will get them to you know that to the correct page. So a lot of it's negotiation, I think. A lot of it's um, you know just just sitting down together and planning it out. On the off-page side of things, of course, you you want to try to get as hyper local as you can. I mentioned events. So we, we were able to, with an attorney who's got two offices in the same city and one office was outranking the other and he wanted to switch it, uh, we started to promote more events and um, build more links from neighboring websites in that area. And we started to see um, uh, the shift in which listing ranked higher than the other just by you know getting a little bit more citations from neighboring businesses. That made a little bit of an impact as well. And it's but, um and yeah, I, I think it definitely takes some planning and discussion. And tell me if you agree, Steve. I started doing SEO in two thousand one. You you early ni- late nineties. Um, when schema came along, I mean, what a better thing for franchisees or or even you know multiple location businesses being able to mark up a location in schema makes a huge difference too. I mean, to me that, I mean, I talk about schema quite a bit on the show because it's like going from a bicycle to a Lamborghini. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to me, it's just, a, it's great sure. technology. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really about the rich results, you know, being yeah. able to, to show more information to users while they're in a search. Um, the worry of course, is if we mark up things too much that they're not going to put a URL in the results and, they're just going to show the information and we won't get the click yeah. and won't be able to do remarketing and other stuff. So there's some concern about using rich results and, and adding more structured markup. Uh, but you're right. It does it does have a lot of advantages. It does provide a better user experience. Um, we don't know what other things are using that markup for. On the back end, we know that rich results are a part of it. Um, but I think... You know, what we've been what we've been focusing on this year and helping our, our clients kind of plan for the future we said 2019 2020 you know we want to do this thing called vroom right <laughs> voice readiness mobile yeah. markup and measurement those are the areas we need to focus on because we've got tech content and link earning yeah. um, managed right we've got those principles kind of already in place that foundations built so how do we how do we kind of jump forward to 2021 and make sure that we're ready for it and I think um, you know the the voice search part of it, applying the voice search, uh, voice recognition API to your site, and swapping out on mobile your microphone, your uh, magnifying glass to a microphone is part one. On our new site, we're going to have that I think in December when we launch, so we can use that as an example. Mm-hmm. But Google.com is the first place you can see that. Um, we recommend making sure that you know every every upper funnel content page that you have has a short summary somewhere under 375 characters yeah. that you'll submit you know, to, to all of your different social profiles, to your media sharing sites, maybe to Reddit, and then you'll pick up a Google alert. So when somebody does have a question and it shows up in Google's index, you can drop your short answer in to get that featured answer spot over time and to you know, be that voice search answer. Um, and of course, claiming your, um, you know, your actual voice console, getting in there and and uh, putting some basic answers up about your business, so when somebody yeah. does their their hey or their Alexa, um, they can 
um, you know, they can get an answer that that you've put into a database so that you can control the responses, not just let them guess based on content on the web. So the voice search part is super important, and uh, markup does help a little bit, but not not as much as you would think with voice. Voice seems to be more about the you know the the co-occurrence of of that snippet of text across other websites, you know, yeah. where the questions are being asked. Um, but recipes, uh, recipes still kill it with markup, especially if there's a really rich image that yeah. shows up in the search results. Users tend to navigate toward the prettier image. Um, so I, I do see there's a lot of advantage. And and there's, there's so many new markup and, and uh, rich result tests yeah. that you can do now. You can mark up everything. Pierre Farr said that once at a conference. Somebody said, what should we be marking up? And he happened to be in the audience. And he's like, I can tell you, this is Pierre Farr from Google. Um, mark up everything. Right? Your yeah. images <laughs> with image object, your video with video object. Um, you know, the, the page type, is it, a, is it a blog? Is it an article? Is it news? Is it a local business? Mark yeah. up everything so that uh, Google knows what result to show for certain things. I know that's um, a that's a yeah. clever answer, for, but the reality of it is that takes time. <laughs> and knowledge. And when, and, yeah, and when you're an SEO and you're only getting paid for X hours per month to work on an account, you have to balance what am I going to do that's going to move the needle. And, boy, you can go down a rabbit hole pretty quickly with that, with markup. Sure. You can. Yep. I mean, there's obviously there's plugins that do the basic stuff. And even if you can just get your organization or your local business, that's one step above but uh i mean i freaked out at first when i found out the the review stars were going away um but what i did is i i built on that i said okay well if that's gone i'm going to build upon image just like you said mark up everything because when you show up in search results different than the other ones you're going to get that better click-through rate yeah it's got you got to stand out visually now i think you know what psychologically do people look at when they look at a search engine results page there's 10 things from the choose from and, and john muller said something really really interesting on the show and he said listen from google's perspective if we find 10 results that help satisfy the user for us that's great yeah for you as an seo that's bad because you may not be the one that's clicked but he said that, and I went, wow, yeah, right. That's what their goal is. They want to give us choices. They want to sure. give us as users. They want to give us more than one opportunity to satisfy our request. So yeah. which one do you choose as a user when you've got 10 qualified answers to your questions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the good news is you don't always need the most expensive-looking page. There's oh. a lot of businesses where that actually scares customers away. Oh, this company looks expensive. Their website looks amazing. You know, yeah. So depending on what niche you're in, you might not want to – have this gorgeous landing page maybe simple is enough for your target audience so especially in in some industries in some uh law industries in particular or chiropractic right you don't want some million dollar expensive looking chiropractor you want somebody who's affordable right before we leave the multi-location topic steve what tools are available for multi-location businesses because I think there's a lot of SEOs that kind of sit back and go, oh, my God, who's in charge of Starbucks local search or McDonald's local search and making sure that all those GMBs are accurate? What tools do they use to make that job easier? Sure, yeah. So if if they're in the hundreds of locations, there's platforms that can help manage some of the data management and data accuracy. You know, if those four tiers, the data accuracy, local landing page, business data visibility, citations, and reviews – 
Um, I would say on the first part of it, the data management can be done by a, a Yext or a Rio SEO or a Brandify or um, uh, you know, there's, there's so many of those enterprise uh, multi-location management platforms that can do that for you. And they, because they have relationships um, already with some of the sites like Foursquare that feed into a lot of business directories, you won't have to do a lot of that manual stuff. Um, if you're a smaller business, of course, there's the, um, you know, the, the Moz Local, the Bright Local. Um, you know, there's, there's several platforms like that that are affordable. I think Moz is like under 200 bucks. Yeah. Um, Whitespark does a great job. So you start to get into business citations. Um, I use GeoRanker. And if you've heard of GeoRanker, I use GeoRanker and, uh, and Whitespark to uh, extrapolate all of the citation opportunities of competitors. I'll put in like 20 to 50 local competitors and maybe even some that aren't in my area just to see where some of the high ranking guys in other areas are getting their business citations. And I'll build this huge list. I'll import it into a CRM like BuzzStream, uh, which will uh, basically put all the data together for me. And then I can sort by which ones are um, coming up the most frequent and which ones are likely going to also provide uh, referral traffic to us. So I think Whitespark does a good job of putting that together. Buzzstream is a great way to manage that effort. Um, and uh, and those are kind of the two segmentations of, of if you're enterprise, you know, the Rio, Yax, Brandify sort of thing. Um, and if you're smaller, I think Bright Local and Moz both do a pretty good job. All right, we got to squeeze in one more follow-up question that before we get to break, and that is data aggregators. Where do you land? Are you on the side of you have to continue to pay the data aggregator to push that data? Or once the data is accurate, you do not need to continue to pay the data aggregators to push out that data? Right. Well, I, I talked to all of them uh, at the last uh, local search event that I went to. And, great and they do <laughs> yeah, they do get data from, from different sources. They do refresh their data constantly. They, they are using other data sources, telcos, and so forth. Uh, in an effort to keep the the freshest data, so I I do think it's important to to have it managed. Um, I don't know that I would pay them individually. I think I'd still use a Moz Local or uh, another service to to keep it managed and keep it accurate. Uh, but I don't know that I would spend the fifty bucks each. The good news is it sounds like Axiom's going away anyway, so the the cost in managing that business data should be a lot less. But I'm kind of a control freak, and I don't want to wake up one day and find out that somebody went in and changed the, the, the data um, that now was syndicated to all these other web directories, and I've got to clean up the web. Um, I'd rather not do that. I'd rather just keep it managed and pay the you know 100 bucks a year or whatever to, to have that taken care of. Great. All right, so we've got to take a break. When we get back, we're going to do who, follows the, or who influences the influencer. Uh, we're going to ask you, um, Steve, who influences you in the industry and kind of keeps you up to date on everything um, after these messages. We'll be right Today's back. episode of Search Talk Live is sponsored by... Hey, Robert. You're here early for the show. Yeah, I got a ton of SEO work done this morning, and I got it done way ahead of schedule. Couldn't have done it without Ahrefs. Yeah, so much easier than using multiple programs and having data in a bunch of different places. Plus, being able to see what is holding a page back from ranking in Ahrefs is so much faster than picking through each part myself. Oh, yeah, I agree. We use Ahrefs because it's so easy to teach people at our agency how to use it. Their YouTube tutorials couldn't be better. It's one thing to have a tool. It's another thing to know your team is using it to its full capacity. I don't think there's an easier, more complete tool than Ahrefs. Hey, Robert, why don't you hit them up to be a sponsor of the show? I am way ahead of you. 
Ahrefs, the official SEO tool of Search Talk Live. Try their new seven-day trial for only $7. Go to Ahrefs.com. That's Ahrefs.com. Your website analytics data probably feels like this. But it could feel like this. Making sense of all the website data available to you hasn't been easy until now. Smilelytics transforms your website analytics data into easy-to-understand memorable photographs. You pick your own photo theme. Smilelytics. S-M-Y-L-E-Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier. And it's free at smilelytics.com. Want to know how your website is doing? Get the big picture with pictures. It's the easiest and most enjoyable way to understand your website data. No charts, no graphs, no cost. Sign up today. Smilelytics. S-M-Y-L-E-Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier at smilelytics.com. Learning a lot from Search Talk Live, but don't know what specific SEO actions you should be taking on your website? Or maybe you've tried to implement SEO on your website, but haven't gotten the results you were aiming for. We've all been there. That's why we here at Pixel Cut Labs created the SEO Project Planner. It's a one-time project where our SEO team runs a full site crawl, overlays data from leading SEO tools, and manually audits every page on your website. We'll use our findings to craft a strategic plan that covers everything from your link building strategy to page level technical SEO and content recommendations. The Project Planner is perfect for businesses that are serious about SEO and want to hit a home run by leveraging our proven SEO strategy. To learn more and to see pricing for your project, visit pixelcutlabs.com STL or text STL to 31996. Pixel Cut Labs, welcome to page one. Get your questions in on Twitter. Type hashtag search talk live and your question. Now back to the show. Yes. Now, if you have questions, you can go on Twitter and type hashtag search talk live and uh, uh, type your questions in for Steve or one of us. Uh, you can also, if you are listening, wherever you're listening to us from, we are on I- iTunes, Spreaker. Uh, we're on Spotify now, uh, Play Store. You can download us there. Uh, we're on uh, iHeartRadio, which I don't think is in California. Is it iHeart? No. Uh, is it, Steve? Is I heart, do you have uh, iHeartRadio? Yeah, Radio? it's everywhere. Oh, iHeartRadio is like international. Okay. I had somebody that was out of the country tell me that they couldn't access it for some reason. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so you can download us there or listen to us live on any of those platforms. We're pretty much on all of them that we can be on. Uh, if you are interested in being a guest on the show, you can contact us anytime at Robert at Search Talk Live. Uh, or you can just hit me up on, on social media. I'm on all platforms as Search Talk Live. We get, we get questions after the show, which is interesting. Yeah. People listen to the show and they say, hey, why didn't you ask that guy this? Thanks. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> but mean, a you lot can of also do it live. It. Yeah, right. You download it and listen to it in the car or whatever. But um, so now, Steve, we want to know who influences you or where do you get your uh, – keep up to date on your information. Sure. Uh, great question. Uh, there's two ways that I that I handle it. Right. This, of course, I'll, I'll talk about some of the people individually, but I handle it one through Slack. Uh, I create a RSS feed to an announcements channel so that whenever Google, uh, the Google Webmaster blog or Bing Webmaster blogs update, I immediately get that update. 
uh, which of late has been a lot of Danny Sullivan and um, uh, Gary Isles and, and so forth. So I'll, I'll see a lot of that content as it happens. And I love that because then I'm, I'm in the know immediately. Yeah. Um, I also use Feedly and Feedly is fantastic because it allows me not just to, to get all of the RSS feeds that I want, but it allows me to organize them. So my, my daily newspaper, like our parents used to read the daily newspaper at the table. Uh, I come in, grab my coffee and I read my daily newspaper through Feedly. And the first group that I'll look at is search engine news. So, um, you know, Barry's always telling us the kind of the latest and greatest of what he hears and people report to him. So we're, it, it's great to be able to see that search engine news uh, front and center. So search engine journal, search engine land, search engine news, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'll have a, a second section of what I call elite SEOs. So um, Bill Slowski and um, uh, who else is in my list there? I've got um, Alan Balweis and Bill Hartzer and uh, Christine and you know all mm-hmm. the all the names of folks that you know live and breathe in testing technical and and content search. Um, so uh, if you want, your your uh, listeners can uh, just uh, ping me on Twitter, just SEO Steve, and I'll send you a link to the OPML file that you can just upload to Feedly. If you want to see that same news uh, organized in the same way that I like to view it, the other buckets, of course, are local search and conversion rate optimization and um uh, i've got user experience i've got uh just general seo beyond just kind of the uh, elite guys i like to follow so so i've got separate groups depending on what your interest happens to be or what discipline of search you're into uh, but i would say you know the those are the the two tools that i use to to really see what's uh what's getting the most attention um is and it's prioritized in in terms of uh, what's getting hit the most and what's being talked about the most. So it's a really, really fast, easy way to do that. The other thing I do is I have a Twitter list. Uh, I just call it SEO experts. And then throughout the day, uh, I'll look over to my other monitor here and yeah. I'll, I'll toggle, um, you know, throughout the day to see what the other, ex- uh, what the uh, experts are calling uh, or talking about at any given moment. So mm-hmm. from that, I can see throughout the day a nice little stream of, uh, of content. So who are the top people? I think. You know, uh, honestly, Bill Slowski and and his patent stuff is is yeah. genius. Yeah. I, I can't imagine anyone better to follow there. Um, who else? Who else uh, influences me at the moment? Um, probably just the folks at Google. Um, you know, I, I really you know respect a lot of their their transparency and feedback. And I know there's a lot of controversy yeah. and and vagueness. But um, if you read some of the posts, if you read the 23 things that um, that Google says to, to ask yourself when you're looking at a landing page. There's actually a lot of really good content in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say the other person is probably Pierre Farr. Pierre's just been uh, incredible as a peer, as a friend, as somebody who you know we can lean on um, you know, when we need a definitive answer about something that you know, may feel um, controversial. Nice. One more time, where to get that Feedly structure that you've invested so much time in for our listeners? Yeah, just just hit me up on Twitter, S E O Steve. That's on pretty Twitter. easy. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. That's a lot of work on your part, and thank you for sharing it. Yeah, it's a comprehensive list. Well, Great. Steve, we've talked about multi locations, which is awesome. And whether you're a multi location or a single location, the very first thing you got to do is you've got to have a plan for SEO, or else the train will get off the tracks pretty quickly. You publish a pretty popular, simple five-step plan for SEO. Would you walk us through that? Sure. Well, yeah, there's a, a local SEO 
uh, we kind of talked about a minute ago, those pillars, the, the data accuracy, the local landing page, the data visibility and reputation, and the pattern of improvement every month across all of those. I think that's, that's probably you know, number one for strategy for local. For, for SEO in general, uh, we tend to start with uh, like an obstacle analysis. We'll do a, a very comprehensive technical audit and you know we'll look at everything from EAT signals and what we learned from the quality rater guidelines um, down to privacy and security and um, you know uh, how we're managing our our duplicates content. You know there's no penalty for duplicate content, but uh, being able to to see it and manage it can can help make the the crawler experience better and help with crawl budget. So we do this this sort of uh, uh, I think we have about 80 criteria now that we look at for this technical audit. Uh, then we'll do a competitive analysis. So we'll look at you know the the top, we'll just say four to ten competitors, and we'll come up with some baseline metrics. What are our competitors' top linked pages? You know what's really driving you know all the the links to the competitor websites, and let's let's get those metrics so we know what our our baseline is, so that in a year from now when we rerun it. We can see how we've improved and how our competitors have improved, and see you know who's really trying to race to the finish line. Um, from that, you can draw some inferences and create some actionables as well. Uh, for the restaurant franchises, we found all the the great directories and Grubhubs and so forth that they're all part of. Table, uh, what's the the one uh, table site that my my family uses a open lot? Open table. So open table. There you go. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of those that were uncovered in doing that competitive analysis. Um, the next thing that we'll do is a, a link audit and strategy. So we'll use a tool like Write or DeepCrawl or you know a, an enterprise level um, tool. Is this, you know depending on how, how large the account is, um, and we'll look at internal links and we'll look at the structure of how the the site's laid out. We'll look at the information architecture, compare it to the the competition, and look at at you know content opportunities as we get into keyword research. Um, and make sure that we're pointing all of the kind of exact match anchors to one page and not to 20 so that the search engine is not to figure out which pages should rank for the words that you have in those links. Um, I think that's a big uh, important part of, of a link strategy is looking at your internal links. And then, yeah. then we look at, at where competitors are getting links. You know, my favorite tool to use for this is Ahrefs. What I'll do is I'll, I'll throw the, the top 20 to 50 competitors into Ahrefs and then I'll run a pivot table to see which sites are linking to the most amount of competitors? Like, wow, this domain's linking to you know 35 of the 50 competitors. We should really take a look at that to see if we get some referral traffic or maybe even do some native advertising on an in, what turns out to be an industry portal. So I think that that intersecting link audit is a great way to know you know what links put you closer to the semantic web of the category or industry that you're in. Yeah. Um, and then of course the the obvious. What are the obvious opportunities for our industry the the blogs the the news sites that are all related to what we do um you know and then the creative part and i think that's what really stands out from a good um, standard seo strategy from one that that is completely out of the box is creativity what creative thing can we do can we be like progressive and create a dress like flow landing page for the holidays so people who want to dress like flow for halloween can reference link and share that page um you know or can we um you know can we come up with something really creative maybe we're going to do something for veterans day and give away free meals um so that you know the government sites and va sites will all link to that content uh, because we're giving away something and uh, doing something for the community so coming up with that creative link bait idea 
Um, and doing one, at least one a year, if not two a year, um, can be the, the catalyst to, to drawing a lot of referral traffic and improving rank. The last uh, report we put together is keyword research and, and taxonomy strategy. And this is this is the one piece that can take uh, as, as long as 120 days, depending on how robust the site is. And this is where you take all of the intersecting keywords that competitors are ranking for and that you've historically driven traffic from through your search console and, and your analytics. And you put together a new site map based on new opportunities. One stairway brand that we, we worked with had 10 pages originally for 10 different products they had. Well, after doing this keyword research, we found that there could be a, a taxonomy built for uses like deck stairs and library stairs and patio stairs and the taxonomy for material for metal stairs and steel stairs and glass stairs you know there's so many different ways that people were searching where they had great media rich content that we could add to these pages to address the, the specific need of their users and you know 150 pages later the site now drives uh, significantly more traffic than they ever imagined so i think taking the time to, to really build out site architecture and build supportive site structure uh, before the podcast we talked about an attorney um, in particular, he wanted to rank for one really competitive keyword. So we created a page for that, and then we built 80 supportive pages underneath it and linked back up to that page using the primary keyword that he wanted that page to rank for. And all of the different um, you know, supportive questions and FAQs and things that people have around that particular search term were answered with their own subpages, mm-hmm. um, all of which you know include media and video and podcast audio and all sorts of great content that's helpful to users, not just something you order from a text broker or, you know, type up on the on the fly just to have a page. It's it's really thought through, um, supportive upper funnel content, which, as you know, other than in law industry, also could be the catalyst to remarketing. Even if, um, like yeah. with Meineke Car Care, we we were challenged there because all the content was just around locations. But we said, hey, what if what if we started answering questions like the difference? What's the difference between standard and synthetic oil, or how to jumpstart your car battery? What if every Tuesday we launched a a really good piece of content with a video and some images, and we did this every week for a year? What could that do for us? Well, a year later, we've got 200 backlinks uh, from people who are searching for, finding, and referencing that content. And, and it was huge because in that industry, people get oil changes every three months. So um, it was amazing to see how remarketing kicked in and they could serve $14.99 oil change ads and pull people back into the site who had already visited from one of those upper funnel pages and, and sort of take that whole um, marketing automation into play instead of just, you know, great, you got to our site, you downloaded something, we're done. No, now let's, let's pull you into the, the whole funnel so that we get a really good idea of attribution and can you know, use remarketing across Google and ad roll and so forth. Well, so I think um, we're two electric car owners on this side. So we're struggling with this right? concept of oil oh, change yeah. <laughs> that you speak of. Uh, but yeah, let's, so. let's tie one of those answers together with the other one about content. Yeah. Can a local case study or success story on almost any business that ties into geography be good link content for a local business who's trying to win a local geography. So whether you're a t-shirt seller or whether you're a pest control company, having a page that says, we helped client X in city Y, and this is how we helped client X in city Y, is that a strategy that local businesses can use to help their local geo-specific ranking? Maybe. I think it depends on the industry. But if if you did that and the, the client shared it, 
he said, oh, you got to see what these guys did. They put me on their website and they shared it and they maybe even linked to it. Um, there could be some value there for sure. If it's supportive content to help with conversion rates so that when a user does get to your site, they can see a case study to know that you know what you're doing. Um, I think that's huge because then it reduces the bounce back to or return back to Google results rate. Um, as you know, it's not just about click through rate. It's about whether they actually stay on your page yeah. or return and choose a competing result. So I think that that case study could be what helps keep the user on the site, maybe even helps them become a customer and, and could reduce your bounce rates back to Google. Whether or not using that to rank for keywords is going to be helpful or not, I think you'd have to kind of figure out the angle. I think you've got your sales persuasive page around your service, right? Service, parts, uh, uh, product, um, you know, platform, whatever it happens to be, right? Whatever your product or service is, you've got that sales page. Um, the supportive pages are usually the how, what, when, why, um, and those are the kind of keywords that people search when they're in that informational phase. So I think I think that supportive content probably has a little more value, especially with voice search becoming more prominent um, for kind of immediate results. But long term, as you start getting into conversion rate optimization, I think case studies are great. Well, you just said something I don't know that we've heard a guest say on the show. Return back to Google rate. Uh-huh. User Explore behavior that. signal. So sure, tell us sure. About so, that. so three three principles of search, right? One is, uh, of course, your relevancy. Is is my page the most relevant for the given query? Uh, two, popularity. Is is my brand and uh, is my brand popular off my website for a, a set of search terms? And do I have a landing page respective to it? And then three are user behavior signals. So what we've noticed is it takes generally two to three months to get to page three based on really keyword rich, good content. Uh, it takes another three to four months you know, for semi-competitive keywords with links and mentions to get that page to page one. But to get your listing from page one to position one, it takes user behavior signals. It's the, it's the user choosing your result more than the competing results and staying on your result. And you know, we've ran multiple tests. Larry Kim ran some tests. Uh, Rand Fishkin, I know he did some live tests of that. Yeah. Uh, I did one in real time one time just like like Rand did and saw my my page move right to the top and then just completely disappear the next day when the behavior stopped. Mm-hmm. So I think constantly improving your titles and your meta descriptions and testing to get that higher click through rate and then making sure that users stay on your page and get what they need uh, as opposed to going back uh, and choosing a competing result uh, from our tests showed that that was a that was the long-term way to get to that that number one position. Uh, in fact, we stripped out content from a few pages just as a test, um, and left it just as a big image and a button with no keywords. And that page stayed at the top for a good six months uh, because the page was uh, they still got what they needed, and it was still really helpful. But there were no keywords on the page still. So um, wow. at the end of the day, it's really about the user showing the search engine that. <laughs> Um, that that's the best result, not about them just crawling a page and saying, oh, it loads in you know, one and a half seconds, so I'm going to rank you number one. No, it's if the user didn't get what they needed, one second or not, they're going to go back and choose a competing result, which, as you know, creates an inference with the search engine that maybe it wasn't a very helpful result, and over time they'll just demote you. Yeah. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's ways to manipulate it, like the, the ORM guys, the guys that are doing online reputation. Yeah. It's one of the ways that they move stuff out is they, they increase the click-through rate on other content mm-hmm. uh, using crowdsourcing tools like MTurk. 
um, you know, they, they manipulate uh, through automated search queries, which um, uh, recently the search results changed in the background. They started to use a JavaScript. Bill Hartzer pointed it out on uh, Facebook, I think, last week, and then they reverted it again. So um, it, it still can be manipulated by crowdsourcing, having people search and click. If you want to test for fun, do it on a crap site that you don't care about because, you know, there is history that stays in their database around those types of, of activities. So uh, if you are doing a test like that, you'll notice that if people do click on your result more than the others, uh, it will move it to the top really quickly. And then once that pattern of behavior stops, um, then you're red flagged and you could, you know, be removed from the search results altogether. You know, but, but, the, uh, but it is a fun test. But I think what's really important is to have a good snippet that people want to click on. <laughs> I mean, yep. it's that simple. Google always uses the words delightful, right? Correct. Delightful and helpful. Those are the two things they always say is what they're looking for. And and you're right. The snippet's great because you can put the, the video thumbnail in there. On your recipes, you can put your recipe picture yeah. in there. Um, we don't know what they're going to be doing with uh, with local business and um, you know, and, and other types of, of markups. So use all the available fields and provide rich media. It's so hard to get the franchise clients to utilize open graph and Twitter card tags. And it's yeah. like there's there's so many people that are sharing content on those social networks, and it's usually a generic empty image or a random image from the page as opposed to having it tailored toward you know trying to boost click-through rates in social sites. They just don't want to take the time to, to write a title and a description and provide a good image. They're either under-resourced or they just don't realize the value of it. So, I mean, that way you, that click-through rate continue is continuously, and then you don't have to worry about it dropping off like you would right. if you were Do the basics, build the foundation. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so, and remember, remember, rank uh, SEO, as you know, isn't a set it, forget it. It's right. you know, it's it's improving relevancy, it's relevancy, popularity, and user behavior signals, mm. and the pattern of improving all three of those over time. That's the one thing that always gets missed. Hire an SEO, fix some stuff, fire them, and then we're done. Well, then <laughs> next month your competitors saw what you were doing, they replicated it, did a better job of it, and now you're going down. Yep. So your competitors aren't going to rest on their their laurels, right there. They're going to continue to, to try to push and beat you, especially when you took market share from them like we did with that one attorney <laughs> I mentioned. So it was so brutal with that one that we got hit with over 22,000 negative links and and automated wow. queries trying to, to make it look like we were trying to manipulate search results. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, we, we flagged the, the links and disavowed them. Um, and then on the, the pattern of things, we dipped a little bit. And then when they stopped paying for that to happen, we came right back. Nice. So... Um, yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty scary what people are doing now. You know, the most manipulative thing we've seen recently is the position one, the position zero featured snippet area, featured yeah. answer. Uh, we've seen uh, one site in particular, I think it was like Crown and Caliber or one of these watch sites, as they took their short answer for like their Rolex Mariner page or whatever, and they, they blasted it across like 10,000 websites, adult sites, and anywhere they could oh, to try to get that featured answer. It feels like that's the new Google bombing is taking your short answer and just blasting it all over hell <laughs> and paying all those old tool and, and Fiverr guys to, right. you know, to, to spam the hell out of the Internet with your short answer just to get that featured answer spot. It's really crazy. All right. Well, it, uh, good stuff. I mean, uh, but it is time for Believe It or Leave It. Right, Steve. Most popular part of Search Talk Live. We're going to give you three statements we found on the Internet. And we're going to ask okay. you to tell our audience whether they should believe it 
or whether they should leave it. Are you ready? Okay. All right. right, Let's do it. Number one, you have time to create one piece of great content. You should always post it on your own website rather than merchandise it as a guest blog post. I agree. Believe it. Believe it. All right. Number two. Bounce rate is the user behavior signal that has the biggest impact on organic ranking. No. Don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave it. And what would you say is the biggest user behavior signal? I would say the biggest user behavior signal is going to be, uh, well, we mentioned click and stay, getting them to get what they need um, you know, from your page. And then they may <laughs> write down a phone number and leave yeah. and close the browser, and that's fine. Um, but, uh, you know, we don't want them going back to Google. Okay. Long-term, number three, long-term, you cannot successfully automate backlink outreach programs. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do anything with automation and links. I think mm-hmm. links should be earned, not uh, acquired. Great answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I read a really good article on that too and getting back to authenticity and genuineness. If you've got an article that's going to help another publication, then genuinely pitch it, right, and pitch its value and don't just spray a, a mass email pitching that content all over. Yeah. And yet, boy, what do you think the ratio is of people who genuinely do it on a one-to-one basis versus the people who do it via automation? i got to believe the automators are like you 10 know, to it, 1, It varies by one. industry. I'd say yeah. locksmiths and, and water damage restoration companies and, and plumbers um, are probably still spamming the living hell out of the Internet. Um, in hiring companies that, that do the same, their nephews and, and SEO companies, cousins. Too. And <laughs> SEO companies, right? <laughs> <laughs> offshore SEO companies and offshore yeah, web development. So companies. that's it's unfortunate, but yeah, and and other industries, you know, like the uh, the uh, franchises we were talking about before, we haven't, haven't had any issues. There's no uh, black hat or negative SEO or any of that kind of stuff happening at all. So nice. um, it's really just. Um, Figuring out what it is your target audience wants and needs the most, and and creating that. I'd mentioned Veterans Day was a was a brilliant way to, um, and I don't even think they were doing it to attract links. I think they were just doing it to to add a, a value to the community, and it resulted in you know over five thousand inbound links, which was amazing. Um, so you know, doing something for the community. Uh, if you're one location, you know, do a CPR class, do a blood drive, do. Um, a Halloween safety, um, you know, event where you give away bags and flashlights. Do something for the community that that gives back, and then have somebody do some outreach to let everybody know about it. And that's a great way to earn some good links and you know give back to the community. It's a great idea. Are we still doing that uh, Robert and Matt Halloween mask cutout thing on the Search Talk Live website? <laughs> Ooh, do I have a new costume for Halloween? Is that what's? Uh... <laughs> I'm not sure what you're referring to. <laughs> All right. I think we got to wrap it up with our Search Talk Live tattoo. Uh, Steve, we're going to ask you for your best, most concise piece of advice you'd give our listeners based on the show's content. And remember, it has to be tattooable. Tattooable. Hmm. Best piece of advice. I would say always be learning. I put 30, to 30 minutes a day into learning and following A-B- RSS feeds and other stuff. A-B-L. So I would put a big, <laughs> um, a big tattoo of a, of a book that has empty chapters that's being filled up because every day you're going to be learning more and, and uh, teaching more. 
Yeah, really it's, great. It's definitely a journey, not a yeah. destination. And I think more so, I mean, we all like to think our own lines of work are difficult, difficult, but I think SEOs, you have to be committed to learning all the time, maybe more so than other vocations on that. Sure. You really have to have it. Yeah, don't be closed-minded. I, I see a lot of SEOs that are just, I know everything. Me, <laughs> I, I tell you, when I go to conferences, every single session that I sat in, I always pick up something. Mm-hmm. Even from yep. this show, every show I get something. Absolutely, yeah. If, if nothing else, you get inspiration from it or you, you remember or recall something you used to do that you stopped doing. I, I think it's great to be in those sessions because it, it, it keeps your, your wheels turning and gets you out of the day-to-day grind. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, and I, I think it's great, too, that we do this podcast because not everybody can afford to go to these conferences because they're not, they're not cheap. Right. Uh, so having these experts on the show like Steve uh, is is very valuable. I agree. I, believe. I agree. Absolutely. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being a guest. You were terrific. Thank you, guys. A lot of great content. Thank you for being on the appreciate show. It. It's awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And I'll send out the link to you and everything once uh, we wind wrap up. And, Steve, how do people get a hold of you if they want to follow up with additional information or questions? Sure. Yeah, I mentioned my Twitter profile earlier, just SEO Steve. I think I'm SEO Steve everywhere, so you can grab me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you want to. That's my my personal profile. We have a business profile too. If you want to connect with the the group here and ask anyone questions, it's just Weedeman, Weedeman at Twitter, Weedeman on Instagram, Weedeman on Facebook. Um, pretty easy to find. So uh, whatever I can do to help. If you want the OPML link for your Feedly, uh, if you'd like a a copy of one of our audits, we did we did just launch a. Uh, kind of a beta site called uh, SEO Verified, where we're helping small businesses sort of gut check their agency. You can get one of our templates there for free at oh, SEO that's Verified. Va- that's valuable when you can. Yeah, that's the one that's going to get the agencies hating us. But you know, at the same time, we've just seen so many small businesses get ripped off that mm-hmm. we wanted to give back something. So we have that that free download, or if they want us to run it for them, we can as well. That's excellent. Great. Well, thank you, Steve. Yeah, I'd like to possibly have thank you on you again. <laughs> I'd like to have you on again, maybe. Anytime, anytime. Mm-hmm. I'd love doing, uh, you know, getting out there and sharing what, you know, what we're learning and whatever I can do to help. Excellent. All right, guys, that's another episode of Search Talk Live. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. We've got listeners all over the country. Uh, and all over the world. All over the world, yeah. <laughs> uh, be sure and hit us up on Twitter if you have questions. Uh, you can do at Search Talk Live. Uh, or you can email Robert or Matt at Search Talk Live. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. See everyone. Bye-bye. Search Talk Live is sponsored by the Robert Palmer family of companies. If you have questions for Search Talk Live or you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor of the show, email Robert at searchtalklive.com. That's searchtalklive.com.